Big Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. In about a week and a half from now, the FOMC will meet again to decide on its next step in terms of monetary policy. It will be the second meeting following the bout of bank turmoil in early March. So this week, I spoke to my colleague Ryan Swift to get his take on how the disinflation process is progressing in the U.S. and how the events of early March will play into Fed policy going forward. Ryan heads BCA's U.S. Bond Strategy Service. Hi, Ryan. Welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you on again. Thank you for having me back. So the next FOMC meeting is on May 2nd and 3rd, so about two weeks from now. We'll get some important economic data releases before then. So, for example, the PCE deflator, JOLTS, employment cost index, and the ISM PMIs will all be released within the coming week and a half or so. But the April CPI inflation release will come in later in May, so after the FOMC meeting. So the Fed will be relying on the March inflation based on the PCE as well as the CPI to guide its next policy decision. And on this front, the latest data available shows that at least on the face of it, core CPI inflation is still quite elevated and it actually ticked up in March from 5.5% to 5.6%. And we also got consumer expectations for inflation over a one-year horizon recently, which have rebounded according to the latest consumer surveys from the University of Michigan and the New York Fed. And we were also seeing the Atlanta Fed wage growth tracker reaccelerate in March. So my question is, do you believe that inflation expectations and wages are a risk to this disinflation process? And if you look under the hood of the CPI report, are you finding sufficient evidence that the disinflation process is progressing in such a way that will give policymakers some comfort that it is heading towards the 2% target? Great question. I think Obviously, if we were to see something like a reacceleration in wage growth, that would bring the whole disinflation narrative into question. I think as it stands right now, the bulk of the evidence is pointing towards something like core inflation coming down into the mid 3% range for context right now. Core CPI is running at about 5.6% year on year. And I think broadly, the evidence points to it getting down into the mid 3% range by the end of the year, which is consistent with what we've been looking for. So most of that we expect to come from the shelter side of inflation. And we did Uh, I think importantly in March, see a pretty significant decline in shelter inflation. And we know from leading indicators of market rents that that's uh, likely to continue through to the end of the year. And that's going to drive a significant proportion of the disinflation. Elsewhere, I think there is some room in the near term for goods prices to uh, counteract that a bit. We've seen used vehicle prices hook up. So that could put some counteract some of that shelter disinflation in the near term. But ultimately, there's also more disinflation on the good side as well. If you look at just some of the manufacturing survey data that have come in, points to uh, beyond the next few months, probably goods prices falling once again. And then to your point about wages, which are tightly linked to basically the rest of inflation services ex shelter component, I would say there we have seen some 
things like you mentioned, that Atlanta Fed wage tracker that hasn't really come down yet. But I would say broadly, the picture on the wage growth front is that things seem to be moderating. So average hourly earnings have come down quite a bit. Leading indicators like quits rates have uh, rolled over. We've also seen surveys of labor compensation start to, and expected labor compensation start to improve. So I do think broadly the picture there is that things are improving. We will get that very important employment cost index uh, at the end of this month. That will be data for Q1 2023. That has actually come down quite nicely the last two quarters, but this next data print, that'll be a very important one. But I think broadly, this disinflation story is still intact. Um, Likely what that means is the Fed's going to move one more time by 25 basis points in May, and then probably go on hold for, for a while and see how that stance of policy plays out on the inflation front. Now, last month, the Fed decided to go through with a 25 basis point rate hike, despite the volatility in financial markets at that time as a result of the bank failures. Now, volatility is coming down and risk assets are once again rallying. So it seems that at the very least, investors are no longer as concerned about the recent bank stress. What is your reading on how the turmoil in early March will impact Fed policy going forward? Uh, We did get the minutes from the March FOMC meeting last week. Were there any nuggets of information that give some insight into how policymakers are thinking about the stress in the banking sector and how it might impact the path for Fed policy? And do you think that given that financial markets have moved on, this will invite the Fed to continue on its policy path without worrying too much about the potential for stress in the banking sector. I think you correctly point out that the sort of immediate stress uh, has died down. We're not seeing sort of deposits flee small banks at the sort of pace they were in mid-March. But the big question going forward is we know that these concerns about banking sector health is going to lead to sort of more conservative lending standards going forward. And there's a lot of uncertainty about how much sort of credit tightening we're going to see and how much that's going to impact overall bank lending and hence economic growth. And so I think that's going to be the important thing to monitor going forward. So far, what we've seen is that bank lending contracted sharply in the second half of March when all the turmoil was going on. Then in the first week of April, it started to come back a bit, and that's the most recent data we have. But that's going to be, I think, critical to monitor. My expectation is that it'll be a little bit stronger in April, but we'll see going forward. I think if we do see a meaningful decline in bank lending sort of through April and into May, then I, that does bring into question the length of the economic recovery, and the Fed would have to eventually respond to that. Okay, so you mentioned that you expect the Fed to go on hold after its last rate hike in May. Since the bank turmoil, market participants have raised their bets on the Fed cutting interest rates in the second half of this year, which has caused the Treasury curve to seep in and bond yields to fall since early March. To your mind, what would it take in terms of inflation, the labor market, and financial sector risks for the Fed to follow through on these expectations and cut interest rates? Yeah, so when that happened, uh, sort of right when Silicon Valley Bank failed and we saw the curve bull steepen very dramatically, we did sort of view that as a bit of an overreaction. And now, actually, when I looked this morning, we're only pricing in 22 basis points of cuts by the end of the year. 
that's from current levels. So I guess 50 basis points if they hike one more time would be 50 bips down from the peak approximately. Uh, so that's a lot less than had been priced in in mid-March. So it has come out of the curve quite a bit. But I do think our view, at least, of the strength of the labor market and of the fact that inflation is not going to fall below 3% this year points toward the Fed not delivering any cuts uh, in 2023. And that would be my base case. So I still think those 20 bips would be too much. What would have to change for those cuts to actually come in? You know, it would be some combination of a rising unemployment rate and falling inflation. You know, it's hard to know exactly what combinations of each would trigger rate cuts. But I think certainly if the unemployment rate were to get up above 4%, then cuts are in play. Similarly, if inflation were to get down below 3 assuming that the unemployment rate was also rising, then cuts would be in play as well. But yeah, I mean, the typical things you'd want to watch for, for gauging Fed policy. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today, Ryan. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly Quick Takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.